0: Hi, I'm Steve Mayers, and you're listening to ADA Live. Yo. All
1: right,
0: let's roll. Let's go.
2: Hello, everyone. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute of Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network, welcome to ADA Live. I am Cindy Smith, Program Manager at the Southeast ADA Center. Listening audience, if you have any questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA, you can use the online form anytime at adalive.org. According to the Open Doors Association's 2020 market study, pre-pandemic travel patterns and spending for people with disabilities showed that in 2018 to 2019, 27 million travelers with disabilities spent $58.7 billion on travel. Air travelers with disabilities spent $11 billion, up $9 billion from 2015. Air travel can be complex. We ask ourselves, did I forget anything? What about TSA screening? Where is my terminal and gate? Will I experience delays? Travel is even more complex for the 3.3 million domestic passengers who depend on a wheelchair for mobility. We worry about boarding and deboarding, possible wheelchair damage, and backup plans if our chair is damaged. To help us understand what airports and airlines are doing to make travel experiences better for people with disabilities, we welcome Steve Mayers, Director, Customer Experience, and ADA Coordinator at the busiest airport in the world, Hartfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. Steve oversees the guest experience, ADA administration, volunteer and nonprofit programs, and team member development. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Cindy. Steve, in your position at such a huge airport, what are the top concerns you hear from travelers with disabilities?
0: So, of course, we have an external internal view of um, feedback that we get from customers and service, you know, because of the services that we provide. And and some of the um, biggest concerns that we have been tracking over the last few years, and of course, this has changed through time due to the pandemic and um, the economy and in regards to labor and all of that is that um, we're seeing a a lot of complaints about wheelchair assistance taking longer than normal. And of course that's because some of our partners um, at Hartsville Jackson, our partner airlines are responsible for wheelchair assistance and they have hired, you know, contractors to do, um, to to give that assistance. Um, And so it, 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 there could be some longer wait times, especially around um, some of the holidays and our busiest travel periods. And so, um, you know, at Hartsville Jackson, we track um, the number of complaints or f- the, the, the number of complaints that we get um, so that we are able to make operational changes and, and put some pressure on our partners, not only to meet the uh, good faith of the law, but also to ensure that we have high customer satisfaction and break down barriers for individuals with disabilities. You know, our goal here is to ensure that we have free access to our facilities and and break down those barriers. As of right now, that is one of the biggest things we are gonna talk about, but we possibly talk about other things today. But uh, as of right now, that is the biggest concern that we have at our airport right now.
2: The Air Carrier Access Act prohibits discrimination on the basis of disability in air travel. Can you tell us about the provisions of this law?
0: Absolutely. And I'd like to say that this is, uh, if I had to make a recommendation for anyone with a disability, get familiar with with any law, get familiar with the Air Carrier Access Act because it's a law that makes it illegal for airlines to discriminate against passengers because of their disability. Um, Realizing that the Air Carrier Access Act has to do with the airline and transportation once you get into the airport, all the services they provide. Now, airlines are required to provide passengers with disabilities, you know, many times, many types of assistance, uh, including wheelchair or or guided assistance to um, board an aircraft, the plane or connect to another gate uh, and make arrangements for seating accommodation assistance to meet the needs of passengers with disability related needs. And so the law, there, there were some changes in the last couple of years in regards specifically to service animals and emotional support animals, um, but that's basically the gist of, uh, of the law.
2: You mentioned the issue with the wheelchairs. If I am a wheelchair user, can I take my own chair on the plane?
0: I'm assuming, I'm assuming that the individual, yes, is using in their own assisted device. Um, and in this case, airlines are required to provide passengers with disabilities, many, uh, again, many types of assistance. Taking the wheelchair on the plane, we, we, we have to differentiate what that means. That means that you can use your assistance device into the airport, get through security, um, get to your gate. At that point, the airline will take your wheelchair from you and have it loaded under what we call the belly of the aircraft. So it will be as if it's a piece of luggage. Then they are supposed to provide you with uh, assistance in actually getting you onto the aircraft and make sure that you get strapped in. And there are specialized um, devices that the airlines use for that. So the answer overall is yes. right? As I said in the law, they're supposed to provide you with assistance with your own um, equipment and to make sure that they have care for it, but they will store it as luggage and then retrieve it for you when you land.
2: The February, 2021 air travel consumer report contains data on the number of wheelchairs transported and mishandled by airlines during the 2020 calendar year, the second full calendar year for which we have data on airline passengers with disabilities. Can you tell us about this data collection and report?
0: The Department of Transportation, for, for those uh, who are listening, um, if you're looking for any code of federal reference, so you'll hear me say CFR, which is code of federal reference, that's referring to um, the Federal Register of Laws. Or um, There is what we called a requirement under 14 CFR 234 to require airlines Classified as reporting carriers. So those who carry more than 1% of the traffic, total traffic in the United States are required to report mishandled wheelchair and scooter data in aircraft cargo compartments. Right. So this was updated in the FAA reauthorization act of 2018. And this is due to the fact that we were, there were a lot of complaints around. Um, wheelchairs, assisted devices being damaged, right? And so um, in the reauthorization, there was an update to that rule and uh, the code of federal reference. And now the airlines have to report that information. If, if you would like to see what that looks like, of course, you can go to the Department of Transportation's Office of Aviation Consumer Protection um, because they do the data collection um, once it's reported and reporting. To assist customers with the information on the quality of services provided by those airlines.
2: And how have the airlines responded to the survey?
0: As I said, it's the law. So, <laughs> you know, so whether they like it or not, they have to report it, especially when um, you know, I give an example of one of the great things that the FAA does is if they're doing a ADA. Section 504 review with my airport, they will ask me for two, three, four years of complaints that I've received on any ADA issue, right? Claims of discrimination and that kind of stuff. And so whether I like it or not, I have to ensure that I am collecting that data, storing it, ensuring that I have that in the storage space that I can show them what analysis we've done to make sure we resolve some of these issues. Now, they're looking at it from a purely uh, legal perspective. I guess that there's no gray area there. It's what you're required to do by law. And so the airlines, every month you can go in and see what the airlines have reported. So I think it's pretty, you know, I've not received one complaint from the airlines to say that they will not send over whatever complaints they have from an ADA issue to my office.
2: Thank you, Steve. ADA Live listening audience, if you have questions about this topic or any other ADA Live topics, you can submit your questions online at www.adalive.org or call the Southeast ADA Center at 1-404-541-9001. And now a word from this episode's sponsor.
1: Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport is the busiest and most efficient airport in the world, and by some accounts, the best in North America. ATL is the economic jewel of Georgia, generating 34.8 billion economic impact for Metro Atlanta and providing more than 63,000 jobs on site, making it the state's largest employer. Hartsfield-Jackson is a global gateway, offering nonstop service to more than 150 domestic and 70 international destinations. Hartsfield-Jackson also holds the distinction of being the first airport in the world to serve more than 100 million passengers in a single day. For more information about the Atlanta-Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport, visit their website at www.atl.com.
2: Welcome back. We are talking with Steve Mayers, Director, Customer Experience, and ADA Coordinator at the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport about air travel for passengers with disabilities. We were talking about the February 2021 Air Travel Consumer Report data on wheelchairs transported and mishandled by airlines. As a passenger, what should I do if my wheelchair is damaged or lost?
0: And this is one of my um, favorite stories. I'm going to tell first before I, I, I give specific instructions. I, um, and Cindy, you, you were you were uh, you were you a part of this um, because you were uh, you were on the you are on the 80 ADA committee with our airport. Uh, we had a passenger who um, uh, recorded his wheelchair being mishandled at our airport. Mentioned Delta Airlines. So he has a disability and he has a huge following. He tagged Delta Airlines and the airport and the, and the airport reached out to him. So one of my staff members reached out to him. We invited him to our ADA meeting and try to get feedback on how we can solve this issue of dam- a damaged wheelchair to make sure that it does not happen again. Just for the audience here, a part of our ADA committee is our partner airline. So we have Delta um, there and we reported this to Delta. And the great story is that Delta actually found a new procedure, a new way to help protect wheelchairs at Hartsville-Jackson as they're being taken off the airplane or being put on the airplane. So now there's a lift uh, where the wheelchair can wheel in rather than two or or three employees lifting a wheelchair and putting it on a belt. In the end, it is the responsibility of the airlines that if there's any damage both to your luggage as well as your, you know, your, your assistive device they are to fix it for you. Um, And so, of course, they don't want um, that kind of claim in. So they're taking, doing everything in their power to ensure that your your wheelchair is not damaged. So your best bet, first and foremost, is to, if you're not able to go to the the airline website to file a claim, you can do so by calling um, that airline's contact number, and filing a claim with them. So that's your best bet. But in the end, if it's something that keeps happening over and over again, you know, call your ADA coordinator at the airport, do something like what uh, that gentleman did to get our attention. Because once you get our attention, if you have a great ADA coordinator, um, they're gonna take that personal because we understand that you need it to traverse our airport as well as it being a part of your person to help you as you, you, you go through your journey. And we wanna make sure that it's in functioning order. So, you know, th- those are your two options.
2: Thank you. Uh, I know that Hartsville Jackson and Atlanta International Airport has begun installing adult changing tables in some terminals. Can you tell us about this project?
0: Yeah, currently we have a, an adult changing table in our International Concourse and Concourse F. Uh, We had a discussion about adding uh, more uh, changing tables uh, throughout the airport. And the challenge that we've had, of course, is an infrastructure one, because, of course, they have to be secured to a wall or supporting wall to ensure that um, it can bear weight. And so we are expanding our concourse D um, and within that concourse We are going to be putting in uh, not only the plan is, at least of what I've told them that we need to have would be an adult changing room or specifically rooms that can handle most disabilities and including uh, an adult changing table. So, you know, whether someone needs to have a shower it's kind of like what they do in San Francisco and San Francisco has done an excellent job. Of having um, bathrooms that are universal that can take care of most disabilities. You know, if you need to have a shower because you know you are taking care of someone or yourself, and and you had a, had an accident, uh, there are ways to make sure that you you can get the service that you need that are free, and so. We're actively looking at always, we are actively trying to add new features for individuals with disabilities. And this changing room or having changing tables is very, very important to us because we understand that the population is aging and that we need to have more facilities for individuals with disabilities, especially the aging group.
2: And what accommodations does the airport make if I'm traveling with a service animal?
0: Right. So first and foremost, just want to give some differentiation. The permission for you to fly with your service animals is up to the airline. However, because airports in the United States that receive grant assurances have to provide access to the airport, we permit you to travel through the airport with your service animal. There are private entities within our airport. We hold them to the same higher standards of the law. We ask that, you know, for instance, if you're traversing the airport with a service animal that you ensure, of course, you do, have, you do have your necessarily documentation on you that you would use for the aircraft, because um, we have had situations before where someone has claimed to have a service animal and uh, employees have been bitten, right? So um, the new requirement is, of course, is that um, on the aircraft, the airlines require you to have some document training, that kind of stuff. And you can refer back to the update of the what we call the AC or the um, change to the code of reference according to the DOJ for service animals. But coming through our airport, most airports, to be honest, you know, once you have your service animal in the airport, we're going to give you access to get through our airport to get to the aircraft, unless that service animal is troubled in some way. And, you know, that's the only time that we can ask you to to leave or to secure your animal because the, the, the service animal cannot be, you know off leash and running all over the airport and barking and stuff like that, because that can, you know, there will be a lot of questions on that, but we'll have a conversation with you uh, and tell you what your rights are and then um, get you to comply and then we'll go from there. But we will provide you access to the aircraft and that's a requirement. So we'll make that happen.
2: Great, recently the airlines have tightened the rules around emotional support animals. Can you describe these changes?
0: As I said before, there was a change and the Department of Transportation decided to exclude from the service animal definition, all non-task trained animals, such as emotional support animals. So this approach in a way reduces the confusion, confusion among airline uh, airlines, passengers and airports and other stakeholders by more closely aligning the definition of what a service animal is under the air carrier access act and of course the service animal ta- or task trained animal will have to be trained as i said before earlier generally provided enhanced training on how to behave in public while an emotional support animal may not have received this degree of training personally we we want to ensure that individuals with disabilities that require a service animal the system is not being abused by those who, I cannot say that they don't have a disability, but we did have instances where someone will say that this is a service animal. We ask the appropriate questions and then do their not answers as to, you know, what the requirements are and how those questions can be answered. So I am I'm personally ha- happy that this happened because I think that this law in particular was being abused. And we definitely need it for the, the individuals that actually need it. And so, it, again, it cleared up the ambiguity as, in, as, it, as it relates to emotional support animals, training, and service animals.
2: And what does the airport do to accommodate passengers with autism and other sensory disabilities?
0: I mentioned this yesterday. Um, we made an, made an announcement that we are bringing back Autism Awareness Month with participating with our airlines and doing tours. And, and that happens in April of every year. We celebrate Autism Awareness Month uh, at our airport. It has been on pause um, due to COVID, but um, I'm happy to say that um, come April of next year, I have put those funds back in the budget for us to do our awareness training, um, awareness day Uh, the tour of the aircraft, we're going to be partnering again with Autism Speaks, just having the families come back to the airport. We're looking forward to that. So that's one thing that we do. Um, We do have a multi-sensory room and concourse, uh, international concourse that have been there for a few years now. Um, We are looking to expand that too. Um, I know that some of the airlines have been asking um, for us to have it on other concourses because of course, The busiest concourse or busiest area of our airport is um, from the domestic side rather than international. So we do not want to put too much pressure on those who are traveling with someone who has autism and require a multisensory room. Some of the feedback that I've also received, that really is a quiet space for um, some individuals with autism and their families, is between concourse A and B, which is... Inside security, but if you're in the airport and you need a quiet space or somewhere calming, we do have an area that is a digital forest that has actually helped to calm some some individuals with autism. So that's another option for you. I know it's out in the open and not necessarily kind of like a multi-sensory room, but I've heard that that has actually <laughs> helped also.
2: Steve, as we wrap up, what is next for passengers with disabilities traveling to or through Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson
0: National Airport? Across the United States, we're having a, and I say wow because there's just so much that I personally and the airport would like to do for individuals with disabilities. But understanding that there are lots of, there's a lot of construction that's happening across the United States and airports for. As a part of the infrastructure bill, and so that is going to cause some 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 headaches for not only individuals with disabilities but um, our regular travelers also. You know, as an example, we have shut down the elevators at the baggage claim station um, in our airport due to the fact that we are removing two elevators and adding. Four brand new ones by the end of next year. This should be completed. But when this project is completed, it will be more efficient for with more elevators. And if you're coming through with a wheelchair, we draw assistance, and you need an elevator. It, it, we just have a lot more because we had a capacity issue. So right now, as of now, you will have to stop on Concourse T if you're inside our airport to use the elevators to get out. If you, uh, if that the vertical transportation is a part of your your journey. Second thing is we're, we're rehabbing our parking decks and uh, the closest to the airport. That's we have, that's where we have most of our accessible parking spots. And so on the first, we're going floor by floor. So you may see that you may want to go park in our hourly deck um, in, for instance, in the south side of our airport there, you will have to park on the fourth floor to have access to accessible spots, so there's just a little bit of a headache there for those who require accessible parking. We are trying to do some very innovative things, um, also to help with on our concourses making the journey more efficient rather than being assisted by someone. So we're doing a trial uh, in the next couple of months here with Southwest Airlines to use autonomous wheelchairs on the concourses to transport customers between gates so you land and you have to connect on a different flight if it's on the same concourse well you can just we'll call an autonomous wheelchair for you that will take you to the next gate so we're trying some automation also as i said before it may not be a requirement from department of aviation that i work for to do wheelchair assistance but because we collect all of this information and we, we want your feedback, we, we log it, we see what the, uh, the feedback that you're giving us, what you think that will improve your journey through our airport, we do an analysis of that on a quarterly basis. And we say, this keeps coming up over and over again. It came up last year, it came up this month. And we're going to try and help our partners or make recommendations to them for us to help Uh, everyone equally. And that's what this is all about. This is all about equal access to our airport. So we're doing everything in our power. So I'm making a pitch for for everyone listening that if if you're coming through our airport and you have any feedback whatsoever on your journey through here, whether it's in our control or outside of our control, we're one team here, we work with our partners. We want to make sure that you understand that we are here to listen to you, and we want to make sure that you you get the best education that you can on how to tra- traverse our facilities. And finally, the, the thing that I'd like to bring up, and, and this goes back to laws and gray areas, and this is not only at Hartsville Jackson, but many airports in the United States where you have off what we call a contract, which is a consolidated rental space, right? So you have rental cars that are connected by A train system, buses are are easier because if it's on a fixed route, they have to have lifts on it. But if an airport have have what we call a Conrad Center, as I said before, the definition of what curbside it is becomes an issue for most airports and something that we're looking at because I bring that up because there's nothing that says that the airline has to push you through to your parking lot or your rental car center. So if you're coming through our airport or going to where you need need wheelchair assistance and you're going to the rental car center, please call your airline and request that service from them. And if you don't get any resolution from them, please call me and then I'll get the airlines uh, working with them to accommodate you. 100% of the times when that happens, when you call my office because someone had said no because they're not aware that it could be somewhere else in the country and not know that we have a, a, a local agreement here that accommodates you, we get it done, right? And so those are the things that uh, making the journeys better. And, you know, that's what's happening. Feel free to call me, feel free to reach out. My, myself or my staff will take care of you.
2: Steve, thank you so much for sharing your time and valuable information about traveling with a disability. Listeners, you can access all ADA Live episodes with archived audio, accessible transcripts, and resources on our website at adalive.org. Listen to the SoundCloud ADA Live channel at soundcloud.com forward slash ADA Live. Download ADA Live to your mobile device and your podcast app by searching for ADA Live. Have questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act ADA? Use the online form anytime at adalive.org or contact your regional ADA Center at 1-800-949-4232. All calls are free and confidential. ADA Live is a program of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University, and a collaboration with the Disability Inclusive Employment Policy Rehabilitation Research and Training Center. Our producer is Celestia Arazda, with Beth Miller Harrison, Mary Mortar, Emily Ruber, Marsha Schwanke, Chase Coleman, and Barry Whaley. Our music is from Four Wheel City, The Movement for Improvement. We also invite you to tune in to our companion podcast, Disability Rights Today. For in depth discussions on important court cases that shape the Americans with Disabilities Act. Learn more and listen at disabilityrightstoday.org. See you next episode. So of us,